This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, my beautiful friends? Listen, guys, before we get into the podcast, I just want to ask you a small favor. I know most of you have already downloaded No Halftime. It's a daily fantasy sports app where you play player versus player challenges rather than drafting whole teams. You can play football, baseball, basketball. I just spoke to a guy the other day who won $90 in golf. I mean, it's all there, guys. All I ask you to do is if for some reason you've slipped through the cracks and you haven't downloaded this yet or you're waiting for something to happen, this is your chance um, to support the podcast and at the same time have fun, play with your friends, your family, and actually win money, okay? And don't forget, if you use the promo code CLOCK, C-L-O-C-K, at sign up, I'm going to give you $10 for free. So there's nothing to lose here. And all I really ask of you, if you already are subscribed, if you could do one small thing for me, and that's text or call a friend or a family member right now and get them on there. The more people on there, the more challenges there are, the more money there is to be made, the more fun there is to be had. Um, So let's go ahead and do this, guys. No halftime, Clock Dodgers. Let's go. And I play with them. All right, today is May 22nd, 2016. This is actually episode 22 of the Clock Dodgers podcast, so it all kind of falls in line in some strange way. My name is Neil. I'm your host, of course. I want to welcome back to the show Clock Dodgers' favorite Heat fan. Well, my my favorite Heat fan, at least. Uh, Leif, how you been, man? I know the Miami Heat fell to the number one seed Raptors. How you been since then? Uh, good, good for the most part. Thanks for having me back. Um, it was a heartbreaking game seven route in Toronto, but overall a successful season. So, uh, I can't be too mad or too sad about, uh, the heat season in total. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I figured we would jump right into the heat really fast because as I always mention, you know, you're my, uh, my go-to guy to, to uh, watch on Twitter and stuff during heat games. Um, now it's traveled over to the Cav games cause you're doing, you're doing it there now. Um, but you know, li- like you said that, you know, the heat lost, but you can't really be too down about it. Um, just because I, when we, when we first spoke even, um, you know, you said just making the playoffs was a success in a sense and, you know, advancing, at all would be a success. Um, and so you guys played well, you know, really well against the number one seed in the East. So, you know, you can't get too down about it. Although I, I know you wanted to advance, of course, but um, you can't really get too, you know, too down about it. Um, my, my main thing that I took away when watching the Heat was that, you know, your young guys showed a lot of grit. Um, that, that seemed, you know, the young guys, um, the fact that the, the coaching staff, 
you know, did such a good job and made, you know, all the proper adjustments. Obviously, management did a good job, you know, getting you to that point. Um, so, so in a sense, you have to feel really good, right, heading into next offseason, into this offseason? For sure. I think getting um, 14 playoff games for Josh Richardson, Justice Winslow, uh, I know Whiteside was injured early in the Toronto series, but in the games that he got, he got to play in a game seven. Uh, also, Tyler Johnson, uh, who had been out with a shoulder injury for the bulk of the second half of the season, ended up getting some run in the playoffs. So that was good to see. And even a guy like Goran Dragic, who hasn't, uh, he's had roles in the playoffs before, but never as a starting point guard, him getting the chance to play in some big moments and some big games. I, I thought it was all positive uh, from that standpoint. Uh, there were some questionable uh, moments here and there uh, from Eric Spolstra, who I am a huge fan of. But overall, I think that, uh, you know, all things considered, no Bosch, Hassan out, uh, getting that, you know, experience for those young guys. And also watching Dwayne Wade do the things that Dwayne Wade has done his whole career. Uh, it was nice to watch a little bit of flashback. Yeah, yeah, I, I got, I agree with you, man. And you know, you you know, you mentioned Chris Bosh and mentioned Whiteside. Um, I'm I'm curious, you know, be, being a Heat fan, what moves, you know, what what moves would, would transpire? You know, well, of course, Chris Bosh being healthy and you know returning, which we're still not sure about. It's still, you know, I've heard mixed things on that. But um, what what moves in the off season with Whiteside and other free agents and stuff? What what would be a perfect off season for you for the Heat? Uh, perfect offseason would be to gain a commitment from Kevin Durant and then basically uh, let all the other pieces fall in place after that. Uh, but obviously, I don't believe that to be the most realistic scenario. Uh, so I'm, I'm, it's interesting. I, I'm really operating under the assumption that Chris Bosch probably uh, won't play again. Uh, I've heard some pretty strong indications that there's a high likelihood he may be forced to retire. Uh, even though I know he doesn't want to do that. Um, and if that is the case, I think probably the most realistic scenario for the Heat this offseason is to try to retain Hassan Whiteside, uh, obviously retain, retain Dwayne Wade, um, find a way to get creative and maybe bring Luol Deng back. And really it's more about waiting until the 2017 offseason. So I don't know that our big splash – initially you're going to go and you're going to try to get in a room with Durant and see if he, can, he, if he will come. But if he does – if he's not going to uh, you know, leave OKC this season, which I've also heard there's a good chance he could probably sign a one-year deal with an opt-out and enter free agency in 2017 – you're probably going to just try to bring back the core as you presently have constructed and then go back in 2017 when Bosch's contract would come off of the books and then re-enter free agency with a ton more flexibility. So I think that's probably the most realistic, even though I'd love to just say, you know, Kevin Durant's coming to mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so Durant's everybody's is dream scenario. And, and you're saying other than that dream scenario, kind of, you know, keeping – the pieces that are already there, um, you know, retaining the guys you already have and just kind of growing um, another year. Do you, do you think if this is the same Heat team next year, obviously with whatever improvements or, you know, gelling and all that kind of stuff you feel that they make in a, in, in a season, do you think this same Heat team could beat the Raptors next year in the same scenario as long as, you know, the, the natural, um, you know, the natural, uh, how do you say, I guess the improved, natural improvements that you would expect in a season occur? 
Yeah, I do. I, I honestly, the Toronto series, we had there were chances in Game Two in Toronto to win and go back to Miami up 2-0. Uh, there were chances. Uh, game Three, Justice Winslow didn't play a minute. I thought that was one of Spo's most questionable coaching decisions, probably in his career. Um, and there, so basically what I'm getting at is there was plenty of opportunities to take that series. It was not, um, I know game seven felt lopsided, but other than that, it really wasn't. And I think that you really have to rely on seeing guys like Josh Richardson and Justice Winslow and Tyler Johnson. You have to rely on growth from within this off season. I don't necessarily think you're going to make wholesale changes that, uh, that you say, wow, look at all the upgrades that they've made to that roster. That's more of a 2017 conversation. So right. it's really going to be about, you know, just growth from within. Uh, and I do think that they can be just as, uh, just as challenged, uh, you know, just as challenging as they were this season, next season, provided that, uh, you know, you bring back most of the core and those rookies continue to improve. Yeah, absolutely. Did, um, did Spo um, give a reason why he didn't play Winslow that game at all? He, he said that he was going to go to him, and then just the way, you know, in, within the flow of the game, um, it, it almost, he almost alluded to that he forgot that he had him at his, you know, he, he that he was available, and, wow. you know, he just went with some different guys, and um, he, you know, obviously after that, Justice Winslow in, in game four was the first guy off the bench, and then um, in basically all of the games after that, he was a huge I mean, he actually ended up starting at center by the end of the series. So, um, it, you know, he, he went with Justice Winslow after that one game. But there, it was just to watch Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan um, have certain – they didn't always play great, but they had moments where they were effective. And when our best defender wasn't on the court, that was just questionable. Right, exactly. I mean, you know, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a Heat fan per se, but I was happy to see – you know, how you guys ended the season, you know, again, being that LeBron, whole situation with LeBron, um, the whole situation with Chris Bosh, you know, so many different variables that um, I found myself rooting for you guys, especially in the playoffs. Um, so I'm kind of happy, you know, the way everything worked out. And, and like you said, I, I, I don't see it, you know, getting any worse next year. There's no reason to think that, you know, things dramatically decline unless you, like you say, people don't return that um, you could really use or if you don't replace them in some, you know, adequate manner. Um, speaking of LeBron and the Raptors, um, you know, so th these are th these are the teams playing now, obviously, um, that, you know, made it past Miami. And now they're in a series, you know, the Cavs started that series up 2-0. Um, pretty pretty convincingly, you know, they hadn't lost in the playoffs at all up until that point. And then last night, the Raptors, you know, grab a win. Um, do, do you think that, you know, Toronto still has a chance in this thing? Or do you think that was a fluke game? Uh, I wouldn't call it a fluke game. And I also wouldn't say Toronto has a chance. Uh, it's kind of a situation where when you're down 2-0 and you're going back home, your first conference finals game in franchise history, you would expect those guys to come out and play well, play with confidence, uh, have the crowd behind them. So I, I really thought if there was going to be a game that Toronto was going to get, it was going to be game three. And that's you know what happened. I don't necessarily think that that's a precursor to Cleveland crumbling or Toronto advancing or anything like that. It's probably a five-game series. If Toronto really pushes you know and extends uh their uh their effort level there's a chance that they could make it a six game series but ultimately i think cleveland's going to move on but uh the, it's interesting because through the first 
how what was that 10 wins consecutively in this postseason for Cleveland mm-hmm. uh, people were starting to kind of hedge their bets towards Cleveland even in a finals matchup uh, and and I found that to be strange only from the standpoint of uh, I, I really subscribe to the belief that until you see a team get punched in the mouth and face adversity, you, you really can't count on a team to go all the way. And we hadn't seen that from Cleveland yet. This is the first little bit of adversity we've seen is this Game 3 loss. And they may bounce back and, and, and run over Toronto by 20 in the next game. Uh, but... I'm more interested to see when they get to the finals uh, against a Golden State or an Oklahoma City when they're in uh, a two when they're down two one in a series or they're you know a crucial game five with the series tied at at two like those are the moments that I want to see those guys really perform because yeah, I, I sense a little bit of front running happening from that team they're yeah. really um, they're. Uh, having a lot of fun on the bench and everyone's high-fiving and laughing and dancing and all that stuff. But uh, when it's 2-2 and it's game five and you got to, you know, put up or shut up, uh, I, that that's kind of what I want to see from Cleveland. So I'm not buying in just yet to that team. Right, right. It's going to be interesting to see their response, you know, in the next game to see if they if – they you know, completely punch back here and, and respond in a, in a real positive way, you know, for their team, or if they kind of, um, you know, maybe maybe start a little bit of a, uh, a downward spiral or show a weakness in a sense. Um, you know, I, I picked Toronto, you know, to represent the East in the finals when when, when this thing all started. So, um, you know, I'm going to stick with them and in hopes that, uh, you know, I'm not going to flop on my decision. But, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting. I, I did get some questions um, from some listeners uh specifically um two guys named at at gg which is his tag on the uh, and at jacob niner on the uh fl app and they they wanted they you know they, they asked with this game here specifically with with the raptors just won um do, do you feel that the raptors won because of great defense by them or do you feel that it was bad offense by cleveland this is kind of the, the you know the debate right now um because cleveland shot so bad um, in this game. And so, you know, everyone's kind of asking what was that on Toronto and their defensive effort, or was that just kind of an off night for Cleveland? Where, where do you kind of stand on that? Uh, it's, you know, probably not the answer that everyone would want cause it's a little twofold, but I think on one hand it's Toronto exerting the most effort that you've seen from them and having playing with confidence, even on the defensive end at home, like I said, with the crowd behind you, uh, they had everything going for them last night, and Cleveland also. You know they've been uh, they're shooting at a historic clip so far these playoffs. Their offensive efficiency, uh, all you know their efficiency ratings have been really really great. And to you know eventually that's going to regress to the mean a little bit more, I would imagine. And that so you may that may be a little bit of what took place. The three the three ball wasn't going. Uh, guys like Kyrie and Kevin Love weren't getting involved. And when they're not involved on offense, they that hurts their defense. And then you have to, you know, you got to tip your hat to, to Toronto when Bismarck Biombo is getting, you know, twenty plus rebounds. Insane. I forgot what, he, what I mean. Did he finish with twenty six rebounds? Yeah, or it was like twenty six rebounds. It's an insane I mean, number. That that's just an effort and uh, and an hustle thing. I mean, fifty fifty balls. He was going and getting them. So you got to credit Toronto for that. Uh, but. You know, until we see you know more than a one-game sample size, I would want to uh, kind of temper the enthusiasm on winning the series necessarily. 
but obviously I'd love to be wrong about that because I don't want to see Cleveland advance. <laughs> right. That makes two of us. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I kind of agree with you on that. I mean, you know, it's kind of, I think it kind of goes hand in hand with that question um, because, you know, Cleveland didn't shoot as well, but again, they've been shooting, like you said, you know, astronomical numbers, which, you know, can you keep up that pace on a night, you know, on a daily basis? Probably not. Um, but at the same time, like you said, you have to give credit to Toronto um, for their effort, um, which, of course, uh, you know, in some manner, um, you know, affected the offense of Cleveland. Um, whether, you know, you could put it 100% in one of the directions, I don't think that's really fair either way. Um, but, but certainly, you know, it, it seemed like Toronto gave the better effort yesterday. And, and, and that could be kind of that, you know, back to dog into a corner mentality. Um, this is our last shot. We're at home. Um, you know, kind of that last ditch effort to keep this thing alive. Um, and, and, and like you said, you know, which way the series goes, you know, it feels like it's Cleveland, you know, it's hard to, to you know, to bet against them right now in this series. But um, at least at least we, you know, made things a little more interesting. Um, jumping over to the other series, which is the Warriors and the Thunder, um, which a lot of people think that, no matter who wins this series, you're looking at the NBA Finals champion. Um, th- this series is tied 1-1 right now. They play again tonight. Um, you know, wh- wh- since we're talking about the Cavs a second ago, wh- whoever wins this series, do you, do you think that? Do you think that it's a it's a in the bag thing for them, or do you think that LeBron and the Cavs, if they advance, could um, deal with one of these teams in the finals? Uh, I think Cleveland has a shot. I especially think Cleveland has a shot if Oklahoma City were to advance. Um, I, I would I would bet on Golden State or Oklahoma City to win that series, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Cleveland win either of them, actually. Uh, and that's mainly based on the fact that I know how great LeBron James is, and um, I also know that uh, they've been playing well, and, and you've been seeing them gel in ways that we didn't see previously. And you can't discount that as much as I you know rant about the Cleveland Cavaliers. They have mm-hmm. definitely improved... From a chemistry standpoint, their offense looks better. They're passing the ball better. Um, and those are the kind of things you're going to need to do in a final series against Oklahoma City or Golden State. And I think that Cleveland actually uh, probably matches up a little bit better with Oklahoma City, um, but but not by much. Um, but I, So I wouldn't say it's a foregone conclusion that the Western Conference Finals champion is going to win the championship. But I would definitely, uh, you know, if I had to bet everything I owned, it would be on either of those two teams out west. Right, right. No, I definitely, I definitely agree with you on that. I mean, uh, you know, to say the least, we're going to have some fun games. You know, e- either way, because um, we got you know some of the game's best players. Um, no matter how it you know turns out, you know, facing each other. Um, you know, obviously, you have Durant and Westbrook who it's possible it's the last time we see these guys play together. So I'm sure that's sort of playing in their mind. I'm sure um, that's, a, that's affecting them mentally, maybe in a positive manner um, because they want to, you know, give it their last shot in case Durant doesn't come back. I know you mentioned the um, one year deal that he may make and, and, you know, everyone's getting all amped up about, you know, where Durant goes, but, you know, like you said, that may be more likely that he does that than go somewhere else. Um, but I, I think that Durant Westbrook, you know, maybe the last time they played together kind of might be playing into this. But, um, you know, again, with a guy like Curry, man, you know, as long as he's healthy, um, it, it's hard to, you know, to bet against him. You know, again, it's like watching a video game, you know, while, while you're watching him play. But um, I, I personally love Westbrook, too. I feel like he's like it, it's hard. It's crazy to say this, but I almost feel like he's underrated. Um, so, you know, if. if just kind of curious, and this is kind of random. If Durant and Westbrook were free agents at the same time, 
who who do you think would be more wanted? Uh, I know it depends question. on the team and what they have, but just of course, generally but no, speaking, that, it's a great question. Uh, the and the funny thing about you saying that is, is that likely uh, if Durant does sign the one year, uh, two year deal with an opt out after the first year, so basically a one year deal, and enters free agency in twenty seventeen. Russell Westbrook is also a free agent that summer, so they're they're going to both be free agents, and teams are going to actually be faced with this question that you're asking about: who do you like better? Who do you pursue first? I think Durant is always going to have um, this level of people kind of expected him before Steph Curry uh, became something other than a human being, and <laughs> as great as he is. Uh, I think kind of the consensus around the league was is that LeBron was going to pass the torch to Kevin Durant in terms of who was the greatest player in the game. And I still think that a lot of people may, uh, you know, be attached to a little bit of that line of thinking, even though Steph has kind of passed all of them. Right. Uh, so, so Durant's going to have a certain level of pedigree that I think is going to be attractive for most teams. But in, in my opinion, w- Russell Westbrook, uh, is he's a top five player in the game, and if I think he was around the right coaches, the right the right organization, uh, he could end up being like basically the most unstoppable force that the, that the game has today, uh, because he's just so relentless, and his mind frame is. I mean, to see him go against Steph Curry, and he is he he doesn't believe that Steph Curry's better than him. Nope, not for like, a second. He, like he is going after Steph, he's going at him at any moment. He could be 0 for 10, and he's still going to come at, go after him. Having that mindset, while in certain ways being a level of dangerous because you can shoot yourself out of games at times, that having that mindset is something you can't teach. And if you can harness that, that is the you know he becomes the kind of player where he can make things happen the way uh, like a Dwayne Wade did in 2006, where he just is so dominant that you can literally carry a team to the finish line. So, uh, you know, from a Heat fan perspective, I'm always going to love the Durant idea, but there's a large portion of me that if I had my pick, I may go Russell Westbrook, quite frankly. Right, right. And, and, and I don't know if I'm, I'm, I'm crazy with this idea, but for in, in my mindset, I feel like, you know, Durant, um, in, in most regards, has, you know, met his potential. I think he is you know, and, which is a, is, a, is a, an amazing potential. Um, but I feel like he's kind of met that at this point. I feel like Westbrook still has room to grow. And I don't know if I'm crazy for thinking that, but I feel like, you know, Westbrook can actually still be better than what we're seeing right now. And though, and although Durant is amazing, I think we're kind of seeing him as, as what he is at this point. Again, like I said, amazing guy, amazing, talented player. But I feel like Westbrook still has room to grow. Would you say I'm crazy for that? No, no, I, I think I, I think Durant has room to grow also because there's certain things like, um, I mean, I hate to always uh, swivel back to Miami, but to give you an example, LeBron James was a really great player in Cleveland before he went to Miami, but he went to Miami and he learned little things about the game, about playing in the post, about trusting teammates, about uh, you know certain defensive principles, things like that, like little things that you don't necessarily maybe not see in a box score or the casual fan that watches the game wouldn't notice the changes that happen. Right. But um, you know you saw the best of LeBron in those four years in Miami, and I still think Durant has some of those intangibles that he maybe he hasn't learned how to completely win uh, and carry a team that way yet. 
But the thing about Westbrook, and this is where I agree with you, is that while um, he has so much more room to grow, uh, Durant maybe has a level, another level to get to, maybe one level. Westbrook has another four levels he can get to, or at least I feel like the potential is there because of his limitless athletic ability and how explosive he plays, uh, and also the fact that he's explosive. And I think this is an interesting thing uh, that a lot of people don't talk about. Like, young Dwayne Wade was very explosive, but he hit the deck all the time, and his reckless style of play started to take a toll on his um, durability. Westbrook has kind of found this space where he can play just as uh, the same attacking style, just as aggressive, but he, but he stays healthy, knock on wood, and I'm knocking on wood right now <laughs> as I say that, but um, like, so him being able to find that balance of staying on the court, always being available, but also being able to play that relentless style of basketball, that just makes me feel like he has levels to get to that we haven't seen yet, and he just needs to be surrounded by the right people. And that may be right in Oklahoma City, um, but uh, you know he can come on down to uh, Miami if he'd like to. <laughs> <laughs> now, this, this, you know, this is kind of the analogy I'm, I'm seeing here when we're talking about the potential that Durant and Westbrook still have. I feel like if we were relating this to Super Mario Brothers, this could be me geeking out a little bit and learning nerding out, but if we were relating this to Mario Brothers, Durant already has the mushroom, so he's already the big Mario. Um, he can still get the flower and get the fireballs or the leaf and get the tail to fly, but I feel like Westbrook hasn't even gotten the, the mushroom yet. You know what I mean? Like, he hasn't even hit that, that second stage where he can, you know, develop and then he has more to, to go after that. Um, I'm not sure if that analogy loses people, but that's kind of um, where, where I feel they are in their stages. You know what I mean? As far uh, as... That was spot on <laughs> yeah so back back to the series really quick since we we, we we both said cleveland in the other series if you, if you had to pick if you're a betting man everything is on the line here warriors thunder who, who, who are you going with if you have to choose uh i gotta i gotta stick with golden state um i just uh i think that when the, I, so the greatest show on sports right the greatest show in sports right now for me and I think Dan Levitard said this, so I'm kind of piggybacking off what he said, is watching desperate, needing a win, like game two version, Golden State. And yeah. uh, when when that team is, when their back's against the wall, they just, they show up. And that is something that I just think you can't discount. So I'm going to go uh, Golden State. But I will say this, that the, the series that's taking place now, like, Literally, I woke up this morning and I am, you know, a Miami Heat fan first. And when I thought about what was on tap for this evening, I'm thinking to myself, gosh, that's going to be a great game tonight. <laughs> I can't wait for the, for the tip off. And, you know, I, I'm not approaching, I approach Cleveland, Toronto in more of a uh, troll, <laughs> a Twitter troll. Oh, man, dude, troll. you um, are you are a legend <laughs> to be on Twitter, man. When but, come, Whenever LeBron is on, man, oh, my God, you get them going, man. But but the other series is really I mean like that's basketball sex it's sexy um, and uh, so yeah so I'm ha I'm having fun watching it and um, you know it's it, it's a lot of fun right now to see two teams that play this style matching up in a tight series I mean it's one one I mean we got we got Durant and Westbrook you know going off you got Curry making no look threes um, you know staring down Ibaka as he does it do do, do you think this series, regardless of who goes to the finals, is the best series we're going to see for the rest of the playoffs? Um, I, yeah, I mean, I'd have to probably say that that is highly likely. 
but I also think that um, on the on the biggest stage, the finals, sometimes that brings. I mean, you never can you never know when Ray Allen's going to hit a corner three that completely changes series, and you know stuff like that that takes place that you just you weren't expecting. So so you can see great things in the finals, but. Uh, there, there is certain levels to this Oklahoma City Golden State series that, and especially because uh, Oklahoma City has already gotten a game in Golden State, that makes like tonight's game really interesting. I mean, Golden State has a chance to go down two one, and that would put their backs against the wall. Uh, but I really think they're going to come out gunning. Um, so it's it, it it's shaping up like it's probably going to be the best show we see this postseason. Right, and I go with you. I want you know the Warriors to win it. I I personally just can't stand uh, Donovan. Obviously, um, I'm a Magic fan, so ever since he burned us, um, I I don't want to see the guy win. So um, I would love to see the Warriors you know advance in that. And 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 speaking of uh, my Orlando Magic. And being burned by a head coach, um, Scott Skiles um, unexpectedly resigns, and you know, in, in my opinion, they replace him with a far superior head coach in Frank Vogel. Um, I think this is like a blessing in disguise. Basically, I don't know what Skiles' intentions were. If he just felt like he couldn't do the job, if he felt like he was going to hurt the team by leaving at this point, and, and did it on purpose, I'm not sure. Um, but I, but I think um, you know, Magic fans should be very pleased. Um, with with the results and I, I actually I wrote an article on cloudodgers.com it was kind of like an open letter um, to Scott Skiles thanking him for quitting <laughs> which I don't think um, he probably expects people to be happy about <laughs> but um, I actually uh, you know applauded him for his, his move because I feel like it only helps the magic um, h- how do you feel about the whole situation I know you're not a magic fan but obviously you're an NBA um, diehard so how, how do you feel about you know Frank Vogel being re- you know not retained by the Pacers uh, obviously they've had a lot of battles with the heat so you know what the guy is capable of and then, you know, Scott Siles resigning, and now he's the Magic's head coach in Frank Vogel. How, how do you feel about the whole situation? So I think Scott Skiles resigning was the best thing that could have possibly happened for the Orlando Magic, quite frankly. Um, I had heard that there really was a, a, di- a fundamental disagreement with which young players were going to be featured on that team. Um, there were, uh, the, the organization wanted uh, Alfred Payton to be the point guard that's going to lead the, the team and Scott Skiles didn't agree and there was uh, and there was a lot of other stuff that I've heard whispers about about them just not seeing eye to eye and um, I think that it, that Vogel is a great hire I think that he the thing about Frank Vogel is uh, he, he was a guy who always got the most out of whatever talent that he had um, and he was, uh, you know, well liked by his players in Indiana, and the, it was pretty surprising when um, when they didn't renew his contract because we went all season not even knowing that that was a thing. You know, like no one knew that his contract was up. Right. So he he was basically coaching as a lame duck coach all season, and nobody really knew it. But uh, the the thing I'll say about Vogel is that I think he can um, he can help Orlando get to that next that next stage of of team building uh you know starting to compete for a playoff seed uh 
and, and that's really, I guess, what you, when you have such a young core in Orlando, what you can, what you expect, and what you hope for is to, you know, progress to becoming more of a playoff-ready team. The thing about Vogel that I know Indiana fans, I have some close friends that are huge Pacers fans, and I also interact with a lot of Pacers fans on Twitter. Right. Uh, his ability to make in-game and in-series adjustments, as well as his um, substitution patterns and late game play calling were things that by the end of his tenure in Indiana, uh, most Pacer fans were just absolutely fed up with some of that decision-making. So I think it's like one of those things where Magic fans should be really excited about Vogel getting the most out of that young team. I think they're going to be really aggressive in free agency, so they're going to have a chance to improve the roster. And you may see them, you know, move toward being a eight seed or a seven seed pretty quickly. Uh, I think that always in the back of uh, of Magic fans' minds should be once you get there, which I know that just getting there is is good to see that improvement. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see if Vogel will have learned from some of his mistakes in Indiana. And I'll just give you one example of kind of where it began to go downhill. Uh, back when LeBron was in Miami and we were playing them in the Eastern Conference Finals, game one, uh, Indiana was up late and we had the ball. Uh, and uh, basically there was only a few seconds left in the game. And uh, the best rim protector in basketball at the time, Roy Hibbert, was on the bench, and that allowed LeBron James to make a layup at the buzzer. Um, and that was the kind of thing where, had they gotten that game, they won game two, and it could have completely changed the trajectory of, of the Heat and the Pacers. Right. But like that was one of the first moments where Pacer fans said, whoa, what is going on with, with his decision-making? And there's been other examples since then. So once he gets to the playoff setting, then I think you have to start to think about um, has he improved uh, in those ways. But for now, Magic fans should be excited. He's an upgrade over Skiles. I think he's going to get the most out of that young team. And uh, I would think nothing but positive vibes uh, about the hire myself, you know, as an outsider of a, you know of the Magic fan circle right right and, and and i agree with you i mean um you know whether you know obviously his playoff record kind of speaks to what you're talking about i think it's like 31 and 30 um so it's not you know the greatest obviously it's a lot of games so he gets there like you said um but whether he wins the majority of those or not um and, and I don't, of course we don't know all the you know all the things going on in, in indiana exactly and what you know everything that caused it but um you know like you said i can't there's no really way to to knock it for the magic it's certainly an, an improvement um you know again i don't know if i'm seeing from my home through homer glasses but um obviously i, I think that with the addition of him, I think he's going to help us get free agents also. I think he's a better coach for players to come to than Skiles. Um, I don't think Skiles was exactly, you know, liked by his players. I think they just took his orders and he was hard-headed about it and kind of, you know, demanded stuff from guys. But I don't know if they actually liked him. Um, so I think Frank Vogel in that sense will help us get free agents. I think people will actually like hit, you know, him as a person. Um, so I think that'll help. Um, so I do think we'll be playoff bound, but, but like you said, um, a seed seven seed, you know, how far do they go from there? You know, that's something we'll just have to wait and see, but, um, I definitely think there, there's no way, um, you know, to not see it positive, um, as a magic fan, you know, replacing Skiles with, with Vogel. Um, there are some other obviously head coaching changes that have happened, um, you know, during the off season and whatnot. Um, you have, you know, Hornacek going to the Knicks, which, 
you know, he, he kind of did his thing his first season, and then you know, as a coach uh, with with his previous season, I think it was the Suns, and then after that, it's been kind of rough for him. Um, I don't. My, my thing is, I don't really see him as a New York personality. Uh, you know, obviously, Knicks get a lot of um, media coverage. If they're not playing well, they're going to get attacked. Um, I don't know if he if he fits that mold. Maybe I'm maybe I'm miscasting him here, but I don't know if I see him as the guy that fights back against the media and against you know all this scrutiny and stuff. I don't know if he's that leader that that they need. Um, how, how do you feel about Hornacek? Any any feelings towards that at all? Well, I mean, I think Hornacek can be successful. I think that he. Um, uh, I, I like the fact that uh, that they weren't so married to finding a guy that's going to run the triangle offense and being so hard headed toward um, toward that aspect of the game. But I mean, quite frankly, the New York Knicks are an absolute mess. They are uh, a bleep show, to say the least. Um, I, um, it's almost like whatever, man, when I, when I think about anything that has to do with the Knicks, I don't see what direction they're going in. I don't see the structure in place. Um, I think that, uh, you know, like the, the Porzingis pick was good and he looks like he has a ton of upside to become a great player. Um, but Carmelo, you know, making what he's making and the way that that roster shaped up, I just don't see where they're going to make a giant leap to any level of contention um so you know really with them i am kind of in, in wait and see mode um a little indifferent on the hire you're just because, a little you're just a little eh, meh on it yeah because I, I really think that no matter what coach they hired um i i just don't see the pieces in place there for them to make any giant leap into relevancy um at this stage I anyway gotcha. I gotcha. Just gonna run down a couple of other guys. Lakers signed Luke Walton, Washington, um, Scott Brooks. Um, obviously, the paper uh, Pacers, um, you know, didn't keep Vogel and they bumped up uh, McMillan to their head coach spot. Um, Thibodeau to Minnesota. I mean, any of these, you know, major impacts to you, game changers for the team. I mean, any any anything really worth um, diving into. Uh, I can go uh, rapid fire lightning round on all those yeah, guys. Sure. I think I think Rambis in LA is a good hire. I like that they brought Walton. Brian. Walton. Oh, what did I say? Rambis. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Luke Walton um, and Brian Shaw being his lead assistant. Those are two players, coaches. Those are guys that I think uh, people are going to want to be around. Um, and so so that that that's all good. But you know, that's a young team on the rise. I love the. The, the Thibodeau hire in Minnesota. I love that they gave him organizational control. I think that um, that he's got a good young. I mean, he's got a great young core, yep. and I and I think that he's going to be able to attract guys to come. Not like not the biggest fish uh, in terms of free agents, not the Durants, but I could totally see a guy like Luol Deng who has um, openly expressed how much he enjoyed playing for Thibodeau in Chicago. Um, you know, being a guy who may not normally go to a team like Minnesota, going there because of his presence now, and then being able to kind of supplement those young guys with some veterans that can make them, you know, make a pretty big leap in the Western Conference. Uh, I actually really like the hire of Nate McMillan in Indiana. Um, you know, he uh, he was one of the uh, more efficient coaches when it came to offensive efficiency when he you know in his uh coaching career previous uh and right. i also like that they've kept some key assistants on that staff a, a lot of my 
uh, Pacers sources, let's say, have told me that um, a lot of the success Vogel had on defense was attributed to a guy by the name of Dan Burke, who they've kept on the staff there. Um, who else did you mention? Um, we got uh, Scott Brooks, I think, was the only other one in Washington. Uh, yeah, the, I, I think that that, you think that was like a desperation a- move for Durant. Yeah, absolutely. You, you took the words out of my mouth. yeah i mean i i I agree with you on all them you know obviously like you said luke walton young you know tons of potential we don't you know i guess we'll see how that really works with that with that team um you you know you mentioned mcmillan scott brooks like i said i think it's just a durant um try to try to grab durant's attention and i I don't think it's gonna work um and then thibodeau minnesota like you said i think that's probably gonna be the the biggest one um mainly because you know we know how he is as a coach and then you got this young group of guys who kind of need that that leadership um so i think that will be important um and like you said maybe free agents as well um so it's a, you know it's a it's a it's a good group of coaches no one no one to severely knock um but um you know some interesting things to see you know to see how they pan out um with their teams but i don't think anybody necessarily made a terrible hire um i just think that you know probably the the, the brooks one was probably the biggest reach and you know just for the obvious reasons that we both agree with um uh, we we just kind of passed the, the draft lottery, which I, I, I'm personally not a fan of. Um, I, I don't know why they still stick with this system, but um, I, I'm not crazy about it. Obviously, um, Sixers got the number one pick. Um, whether they'll screw that up, who knows? Um, Lakers number two pick. Anything that stands out to you with the draft lottery or the process itself? I mean, like I said, I'm not a fan of it. I wish they would kind of just do away with it and, and do what um, like the NFL does with records and whatnot. But um, and, and any quick um, you know feelings or reactions to that? I know obviously the draft isn't here yet, and we don't know um, exactly what's going to happen besides probably the number one and two pick. But any 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 feelings on it at all? Uh, I definitely am not married to the NBA draft lottery process as it is today. I don't necessarily think they should do it NFL style because that would promote tanking to a whole nother level right. by teams. But but I do think that there could be some tweaks or, I, I don't know, more transparency that would allow for fans to kind of get the whole tinfoil hat um, conspiracy stuff you know, theory thing off of the table for the league. In terms of the draft itself, I won't spend a ton of time there other than saying I think it's a two-man draft and the rest of it, you really don't know who what you're getting. And even those two top guys, I'm not completely sold on either of them being franchise-changing players. So for, um, you know, for a team like Miami who doesn't have a first-round pick this year, I'm not really stressing about that as much as I normally would. Uh, I think that um, that this is going to be more of a draft where someone may come out of left field and be a surprise as a really top-tier player. But um, when I watch film on Brandon Ingram and Ben Simmons, I mean, S- Simmons has his moments, don't get me wrong, and, and, and Ingram too, but um, neither of them are the Carl Anthony Towns-type prospect right. uh, you know where you where you feel like it's can't miss. At least that's how I view it. Um, I know that there's uh, a lot more smarter draft gurus than I, but uh, that's kind of where I stand. I'm not not impressed with this draft overall. Yeah, I, I'm not either, and, and I know what you mean there. When when you look at those two guys, there's there, there's spots in their game that obviously need development. You know, there's not. Um, 
there's not this, you know, guy that you're just like, man, this guy is pretty much set, ready to go. You know, he's going to be a great game changer. Um, but, you, but I think it's funny how you mentioned the uh, the conspiracy theorist um, about, you know, the draft being rigged, the lottery being rigged and all this kind of stuff. Um, obviously, there's no way to ever prove that or anything. But but like you said, um, tweaking it or, or changing it all together uh, would obviously, you know, get rid of that issue. And, um, you know, you, you did mention the tanking thing. I mean, obviously, you, you do feel that team is tanking out, though, right, for the lottery pick? I mean, oh, for sure. I mean, that was the 76ers whole kind of philosophy was if we're not going to be one of the, the, the top contending teams, it's better to be the worst team because it gives you more opportunities to land a franchise changing player. And it hasn't quite worked out for them yet. Although there are people that actually think that what Philadelphia has done is literally like genius. And I'm yeah. not joking about that. <laughs> there are people that think that, but, um, so, I, yeah, tanking still happens today, um, but if, if you just made it about whoever has the worst record gets the number one pick, I think that teams would take it to a level where the 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 it would be a, a, basically a mockery of the game in ways that we're not even seeing today. So I'm, I am not uh, I am not for just going off regular season record themselves right. there, there there was a, a a crazy theory thrown out there about that you take all the lottery teams and you put them in a tournament and and they play and whoever wins the tournament gets the first pick like that's kind of a fun i don't know that that's realistic at all but like that's a fun way to spin not have like you can't tank you right. have to play right and that's how you get rewarded by getting that pick um but you know, there's also loopholes with that, where you, where a team could tank to be a lottery team and then turn it on in order to go get that number one pick. So I mean, there's a lot of variables, but overall, I agree with you that the process could use some tweaks. Yeah, yeah. There's probably no perfect system, but you know, definitely, um, you know, reason to, to to look over revamping it a little bit. Um, and, and like you said, 76ers, man, they keep stacking those assets, quote unquote. I'm putting air quotes here. Assets. I don't know. I'm not a fan of what they're doing, but hey, you know, to each their own. I don't get paid to, you know, to run a team, I guess. Um, you know, I just want to talk free agency really fast too with the NBA free agency. Um, if if we're talking free agency besides the possibility of Durant, who, who, who do you think is the best free agent besides Durant? If he's a free agent, of course. Ah, uh, wow, that's a that's a tough question. Um, the best free agent other the most, than you know, the one that make the biggest impact, I guess. However, you want to look at it. Um, I, I mean, I, I think you'd have, it, it's a real weird free agent class because a lot of people thought 2016 was going to be this, this like just absolutely stacked class. And you, what you ended up seeing is guys that you thought were going to take one year deals to enter free agency in 2016 locked up long term, uh, Millsap locked up long term, Kevin Love locked up long term. Uh, there was a few other guys that um, I think people were expecting that that are not free agents now. So you really have LeBron and Durant, which I mean I think you could kind of be safe to assume that maybe neither goes anywhere this off season. And then you've got a lot of other guys that I think can make really dramatic improvements to franchises. But I wouldn't necessarily say that those guys are one player this guy comes to your team and it changes everything about where your franchise is going. I mean, I'd say Al Horford, Nick Batum, um, Hassan Whiteside. Maybe Conley. Um, uh, Mike Conley is absolutely at the top of that list. These are all guys that are really great players and can – 
can definitely improve a franchise. Like Orlando is a good example of a team that could take one of those guys. I wouldn't necessarily say maybe Conley, but one of those guys. And um, and, and it can make a huge difference for them. But none of those – I mean, I don't think anyone is adding Al Horford and then you say we're ready to go win a championship. Right, um, right. So I think 2017 is now really, if you look at the names associated with that class, the players that have options to become free agents, uh, as well as some of the restricted free agents, because there's good restricted free agents this season too, but I, I don't see anyone throwing a contract at an Andre Drummond who's restricted because they know that Detroit's just going to match it. Yep. Um, Harrison Barnes is an interesting name that I think uh, – if somebody were to give him a max contract offer sheet, Golden State may blink and not match. Um, the thing do you think, about do you think do you think he's deserving of a max contract? Uh, no, he's he's definitely not deserving of a max contract. But the funny thing about this offseason, and on on our most recent Heat Beat podcast, we talked about this. Um, you're going to see guys like Ryan Anderson get 20 million or 18 million dollars nick batum is going to get a max contract hassan whiteside max contract mike conley max contract so when we talk about max contracts you know in years past you've kind of always reserved that space for the the best of the best right but but the way that the salary cap is jumping and the way that so many teams are going to have room uh, to spend money, uh, it, the market is going to dictate that these guys that are not necessarily what we call quote-unquote max players are going to get that kind of money because teams have money to spend and teams are going to want to bring in their shiny shiny new toy, we'll call them, uh, and you know, like pitch the fan base on, look, we are trying to go and win. And that's why you're going to see guys like Ryan Anderson get – 18 to 20 million dollars when that was just that you know that's like unheard of in you know NBA economics previous to this coming season right so you're gonna have teams you know um at least fans trying to create these scenarios um with free agents so i mean i i've seen things you know i go on magic message boards and and stuff like that and i've seen guys say oh you know throw a bunch of money at like horford and barnes you know what i mean and i don't know how much that changes you though you know what i mean it's a lot of money um, and obviously, you get two of the bigger names. Obviously, they're they're great. You know, they're good players. But you know, like you said, these aren't exactly the guys that we expected to be available. And so, I don't know if you just throw the money at them because that's what's there now, or do, you know what I mean? Like, um, it, it's kind of a you know a. It is a tough bind to be in, especially for teams like Orlando that are on the cusp of being a playoff, a perennial playoff team and has like the thing about Orlando specifically, and this is a lot of teams are kind of in this boat. They're done with acquiring young players. They have all of the young players that they need to kind of talk about having a young core. Now they need those playoff tested guys, those veteran players that kind of teach those players how to win. So I don't necessarily think Horford and Barnes in Orlando. Yeah, that doesn't make you a championship contender, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't knock those signings at all if Orlando went and did that because I think that that is really making a big step towards being a playoff team, and that's really where you have to go. But the thing that becomes difficult about it is if if you if your young players don't develop and become guys that can can really make a big difference on a big stage. Um, 
then you're stuck with these max contracts for these guys that are not max contract players. And then later on down the line, you could be stuck with more of an albatross of a contract. So it, it, it is a delicate balance between um, striking while the iron is hot and finding ways to get, you know, for teams to get better because you don't want to just sit out free agency. Right. But, al- but also, you know, like not overpaying guys that you're going to really regret down the line. And of course, I keep going back to the Magic. Obviously, I'm a Magic fan. I think their situation is is interesting, like you said, with the young players all kind of being made, already chosen, and now you're just looking for the veteran pieces. Um, I, I've seen things like you know scenarios, say trade scenarios, where um, they give up their first round pick plus guys like Oladipo or Vucevic. Do you think there is anybody that they could trade for that makes getting rid of guys like that worthy that are available or going to be available for those kind of players? Like, do you yeah. think there's a Paul George available? You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I don't. Paul George is definitely not available, but um, Jimmy Butler is, and I think he can be that kind of player. Um, there are a few other guys out there um, that I think can um, can be that. And and it's funny that you bring up trades because that is an under a super underrated part of the 2016 free agency that I think not a lot of people are talking about with the, with the, with the jump in the cap, you're going to have basically the entire league is going to have the ability to make trades without worrying about matching salaries. Right. Because, because now that you have this, this increase in flexibility by the cap increasing, you don't need to match the contracts dollar for dollar. So you're going to see an $8 million player traded for a $15 million player because the team has the cap space to absorb that additional money. So I think that actually, although free agency is going to be the sexy thing people want to point to when they talk about, and you know, I've tweeted about that, you know, like Kevin Durant and, and wooing him and getting in a room with him and all that stuff. But really the trade market is where I think it's going to be most active. And I think that you can get a disgruntled disgruntled superstar or maybe not a disgruntled superstar but a a guy who's maybe worn out his welcome a little bit like demarcus cousins comes to mind uh jimmy butler as i already said i don't think the 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 pacers are there with paul george yet i think they want to see miles turner and paul george a little bit more um because turner flashed some really um some really good stuff there towards the end of the season um, but, uh, you know, eventually, maybe the year before Paul George is a, can be a free agent, he's a guy who um, could be available. So I, I, I would not underestimate the trade market as being a way that most teams look to dramatically improve their rosters. And this is the one, and I, I know that we've talked a lot about it, so I won't keep going on and on. There's always guys available via trade that no one knows about. Right. And that. And that's the thing that that a lot of that we can't speculate on because we don't know who's available. But there is always a player that that people say that guy's untouchable that teams are taking phone calls on. So you never know. I think it's going to be a wild, wild trading off season. Underrated, underrated, man. The trading, the trading is going to be underrated this year. And, um, you know, like you said, we'll see how it goes. Everybody has money, so it kind of takes away from the fun of free agency. And, you know, and like you said, in, in trades now, you're not worried about, you know, trade exceptions and money and cash because it's all there already. So um, definitely going to be interesting to see how, you know, how, how teams who have the young core, you know, proceed. Um, because, you know, unless one of your young guys is going to turn into a superstar, you know, within the next couple of seasons, um, it, it seems like at this point, 
Um, you're not really going to, you know, push for a championship unless you have that one or two premier, you know, players. Um, so, you know, while it's fun to have young guys and, and it makes sense, um, it seems like at some point, um, you know, too many don't, you know, don't really help you anymore. It's just you need a, you need a game changer, you know. So unless one of those young guys develop into a game changer over a season or over an off season, then, you know, you got to think about moves, you know, and getting yep. rid of some of those guys. Um, so that's, right. all, that's all we're going to do with with, um, with with NBA and free agency and draft and everything. I want to jump into our, our game here, foul or no foul. Um, got some got some uh, some different ones to throw at you. So we're going to go ahead and start that. Are you ready? Yep, let's do it. All right, let's go. It's that time again. Let's play another round of foul or no foul. All right, great. So so for the first one, um, me and you um, both have a history, I guess you could say, with, with hip-hop and rap. Um, so, you know, on your Twitter, you talk about a lot, obviously, you know, rappers that you like, and, and you've, you know, made music yourself. I've made music myself. So it's been an actual passion of ours, you know, at one point or another. Um, you, you've recently mentioned on Twitter how you don't understand why people um, choose, you know, old school hip-hop, new school hip-hop, how they don't, you know, it's almost like they choose a side you know, and you have to pick one or the other. Um, and so I thought that was interesting that you, that you brought that up. But the, the, the foul or no foul that I wanted to kind of throw at you was um, new school rappers can make the same impact that Tupac and Biggie made. Foul or no foul? No foul. No foul? No foul. I, I think that they can. And certain guys, I, I know you talked about like Kendrick Lamar and stuff. Do you, do you feel like he's like one of those in that, he- in that realm? Absolutely. I think that, um, you, like you're seeing, and, and we don't need to go too deep into the political side of all this, but right. you're, you're seeing large groups of people chanting, we gonna be all right. <laughs> we gonna be all right. Like right. that's the kind of stuff that like, um, uh, that's the kind of stuff Pac would have been doing had he, uh, you know, aged and matured. Like he was very much a political guy and he, and he thought about, um, about the people. And I, I don't think he would have been making songs about, um, hoes, clothes, bitches, and money his whole career had he, had he lived. And so when you see guys like that doing very socially conscious records, Jay Cole is another guy who he, you know, he had a performance on the David Letterman show that, that like sent it every time I watch it, it sends chills down my spine. Um, those guys are definitely looking at things larger than I'm just going to make a dope hip hop record with, with, you know, dope lyrics and, and keep it all about, you know, hip hop music. Right. They're kind of, they're, they're branching out beyond that. So I do think guys can make an impact. I don't think enough guys are making that kind of impact, but I think that there are people that can do that today. Like those guys did in the past. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. You know, Kendrick, Kendrick and J Cole, you know, two, two of the best to do it right now, especially in that regard. Um, like you said, a, a lot of artists may be taking the easy route, you know, get a good beat, a catchy hook and just kind of run with it. But there are guys, you know, who are, who are doing that. And, and if anyone's listening, you know, they, they, there's, there's some people who just like refuse to listen to hip hop. You know, they're just like, ah, I don't want to hear that. Uh, you know, like they just, hate it for some reason but i i promise you you know if you listen to j cole or kendrick um you know you won't you won't feel the same about it is there is there any guys just off the top that you know if someone isn't a big fan of hip-hop or maybe they don't go past what the radio plays that you would recommend them to look into uh yeah i mean i can give a couple names of guys um there is uh royce the five nine uh just released an album uh that uh is called layers that i think uh 
it's a really well thought out good album uh there is an artist from the bay area named locksmith that is a uh really good mc um that i think is worth checking out and um one of my personal favorites is a a guy by the name of brother ali that uh he he has an album called morning in america dreaming in color that I truthfully believe should be part of school curriculum. It is that um, it is really a sign of the times. So those are things that I think people can can take good from uh, that are you know newer artists that people may have not heard of. And I always got to shout out my boy Recognized from Miami. Uh, that's one of my homies that um, you know I have history with, and he's part of a group called Mayday who is signed to Strange Music. So check out Recognized and Mayday whenever you can. Absolutely, man. One one of the guys that I always liked that I feel like a lot of people, you know, slept on him, and maybe it was because he had, you know, for the most part, one commercial hit, and it was very, you know, commercial. But Joe Budden, man, I always loved um, Joe Budden music. I feel like he always revealed his insecurities and and stuff like that. Um, and totally, yeah, and his flaws and stuff. And although some people question, you know, his outside the the uh, music antics, I guess you could call him, but musically, you know, I think he's one of the, you know, one of the best. So just a little bit of hip hop there for you guys, you know. Um, let's hop to the next one. Uh, the next file I know file that I have here is um, sports would be better to watch. If we gave all athletes the free pass to use performance enhancing drugs, foul or no foul? Uh, oh, better to watch. So we're just talking better to From watch. From an entertainment perspective, you know, all, all these sports, mixed martial arts, basketball, football, if we just gave these guys the right, go ahead, do what you want to do, would it be more entertaining <laughs> for us? Uh, yeah, I'll say no foul. It would be more entertaining, but I, 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 I don't want that to happen. I don't, I would. I'd rather sacrifice entertainment value to try to preserve some the realness. Purity. Yeah, exactly. Um, but if you're just talking about like, like I think baseball is probably the greatest example of this because basketball isn't a sport where I necessarily think uh, performance enhancing drugs are as prevalent um, because like the there's certain parts of it where you lose mobility and that's not necessarily a good thing for a guy like Kevin Durant to all of a sudden not be able to move. Right. But um, uh, in baseball, when you I mean during that uh, the steroid era where the home runs were being hit, uh, I mean like who's gonna say that that was not fun to watch those guys Sosa and Bonds and Mark McGuire, you know, like knocking those out of the park. Like that was fun to watch. Um, and you know, the more of that that we would have, the more entertaining it is. So uh, you know, I'll say no foul, but I don't, I, I don't want it to go that direction. Right. Yeah. That's that's why I bring it up because of stuff like baseball. Because that there's some people who who don't watch baseball but couldn't take their eyes off of that moment. Or you got a guy like Lance Armstrong who obviously has been heavily criticized for you know for using performance enhancing drugs, and then his, his situation got a little more messier because he was then you know suing people who were accusing him of doing it and all this kind of stuff, and then he admitted it, but. I mean, obviously, a lot of good came from what he did is, you know, with cancer research, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's it's just it's just weird to me that see that some sports actually benefited from it in a, in a sense. And then, you know, obviously some we don't want to see it in it at all. But I just, you know, I just think it's an interesting debate to bring up. Um, but, I, but I agree with you as well on that. Now, uh, my next one uh, is at the pro level. Um, obviously, when we're talking about children's sports and stuff, it's a little different. But at the pro level. Um, running up the score in a game is bad sportsmanship. Foul or no foul? Um, uh, no foul. You're saying running up the 
running up the score in a professional game is bad sportsmanship, right. I'd say no foul. No, stop him from scoring. Um, I, I, like in, in collegiate athletics and in high school athletics, uh, because sometimes the talent can be so um, – the, the gap in talent between two teams can be so large – I think that there's certain – I mean, I've watched some high school basketball games where, like, it was just not fair. Uh, and you got teams winning 100 to 37 and stuff like that. But in, in professional sports, nah, man. Like, I, I have no problem with uh, teams like New England running up scores uh, or uh, – you know, I, I think people have even accused Golden State of doing a little bit of that here and there. Um, I, I don't have a problem with it at all. Yeah, I, I don't either. And I, I take your exact philosophy. You know what I mean? If you, if you don't like it, stop it. You know what I mean? Um, the last one I want to throw at you, it's more of a, it's more of a fun one. Um, this one was given to me by a listener. Uh, his, his tag is at, at Dan8, um, also on the FL app. And he's, he, his, his uh, foul or no foul that he threw at us was, um, double dipping your food is all good. Foul or no foul. Uh, are other people eating the food with you? Absolutely. Foul. <laughs> Listen, man, if anybody says no foul to that, I gotta. I can't hang out with you, man. I can't hang yeah. out with you. I mean, if it's just me, if it's just my little cup of ranch dressing, I could double dip all I want. But, like, at a table with all the homies, like, eh. <laughs> nah, I, I wouldn't say that that's cool. Um, well, we, we all know that guy who does it, right? Or you're like, oh, oh for sure. We all, we all have that friend. It's like, come on, man. Just ask for your extra side <laughs> of blue cheese, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. That's a, that was a phone one I wanted to throw out there and see. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see people's comments after that because if if anyone comes at me with that, it's okay, man. I'm gonna have to unfollow you, block you, something because and, I don't and like it, man. Not eat, definitely not eat with them. That's yeah, sure. definitely not. At the, at the very least, I can't eat with you. <laughs> well, man, I mean, this was a fun one. Um, obviously, it's always you know good to catch up with you and and, and talk anything, uh, but you know specifically NBA. But you know, like I said, we share a lot of common grounds with you know with music and other things. So it's always fun to have you come on and, and kind of delve into those worlds. Um, it, just you know, of course, like I, I always ask you know um, the guests to do, um, let people know where they can find you, kind of promote some of the things that you're doing, so they can uh, you know check out some of your work and, and, and the places that you're at right now. For sure. Um, and yeah, this is always fun. I enjoy these podcasts a lot. Um, so you can find me on Twitter at Lefty Leif. So that's uh, the word Lefty underscore L-E-I-F. Uh, I am a contributor at uh, HeatBeatMiami.com. Uh, you can also follow them at M-I-A HeatBeat. Uh, we always have a lot of great content. I know it's the off season, but we're still going to have stuff coming, podcasts with a lot of uh, media members and uh, just great insight and commentary. So you can find us there and, um, you know, reach out to me on Twitter. I'll, I'll follow back. So, um, you know, all it takes is, uh, you know, just hit me up at me. Yeah, and and for anyone listening, you know, don't think he's just good for the heat stuff, man. Check him out, you know, for everything. He's a funny dude, um, a lot of good insight, uh, and like I said, not just heat. So if you're not just, you know, not a heat fan, you're like, ah, you know, I'm not a heat fan, but it doesn't matter. You know, what I mean, Leif is a is a cool dude yeah. to follow, regardless. Hoops and hip hop, hoops yeah. and hip hop, exactly, all day. exactly. <laughs> can't can't beat it. Well, again, man, like I said, um, you know, I, I wish your heat luck. You know, moving forward into the off season, it looks like both of our Florida teams, hopefully. We'll be playoff bound next year. Um, and, and again, man, of course, you know, we'll be talking and chatting on, on Twitter and whatnot. And uh, you'll be on here again at some point, of course. Uh, you know, you're, you're always, you know, open invite. Um, but again, man, I appreciate it. It was a great conversation. And um, you have a great day, man. For sure. You too. Talk to you soon. All right, Later. man. Later. Yeah. 
All right, guys, there we go. Episode 22 in the books. I want to thank Leif again for coming on the show. I really appreciate it, man. He's always fun to talk to. Guys, you heard you heard what he said, right? The podcast, the blog, his Twitter. Go support all these things, man. Leif's a good dude, puts in good work, and he and he's cool as you know, cool as hell to talk to. So he told you the Twitter. Um, it's lefty underscore Leif. Um, holler at him. You know, let him know you appreciate him coming on the show. You enjoyed it. Um, if you want to argue LeBron with him, if you want to argue the Heat with him, if you want to argue hip hop with him. He's the place to go to. Hit him up on Twitter. And again, like I said, support all his other endeavors, um, the Miami Heat blog, the podcast, all that, all the good stuff that he's doing. Um, other than that, um, as always, guys, no halftime. If you haven't downloaded it for whatever crazy reason, you got a new phone, you know, whatever the case may be, um, you know, go on there, sign up, promo code CLOCK, C-L-O-C-K. By doing that, you're giving us more people to play with. You're giving more opportunities for us to win money. And, and, and most of all, don't forget, you're supporting the podcast. So if there's anything that you, if you're ever thinking, you know, what can I do to help this guy out? What can I do to help this show out? You know, what can I do to make it bigger and better? Um, that's all I ask. That's, that's, that's the best way to do it um, is to go on there and just, uh, you know, download the app and then, you know, go from there. Just have fun and, and you know, make money and, and do everything that you can to enjoy it. Uh, and like I said, we want as many people on there as possible. So family, friends, you know, whoever crosses your mind that you know is a competitor that loves sports and, and loves making money. Other than that, ClockDodgers.com, we got a lot of exciting stuff coming for you, a lot of new articles, a lot of fresh things, contests. Um, so just kind of be on the lookout. Um, don't forget to sign up for the newsletter and everything for that, as well as when you're on ClockDodgers.com, you'll see there's an Amazon banner. If for any reason you, you'd like to spend money on Amazon and you'd like to buy stuff on Amazon, just go on there, click on the banner, and then everything you buy after that, after you've clicked on that link, we get a small percentage and it helps out. Um, so it's just something small like that um, is, is a lot of help to the show. Um, so, you know, those are, those are the major factors, of course. Um, you know, I appreciate everyone who's purchased the Clock Dodgers shirts. Um, there's some new fresh ones coming out, new designs. Um, so be on the lookout for that. And um, we're just going to keep moving forward with this. You know, this is this has been great so far. Um, I know I like to uh, speak on something every, you know, at the end of every episode for the most part and kind of, uh, you know, kind of see, you know, what's on my mind at the time. Um, right now, I don't really, you know, want to get too crazy into stuff because I have a lot of cool guests coming up and a lot of cool things that I'm going to discuss on the shows that are, you know, kind of there already. But, um, you know, all, all I ask for you guys is to... To, to keep being great, you know, keep keep being great to others. If someone does something good for you, pay it forward. Um, the, the the best energy you'll ever feel is positive energy. You know what I mean? So um, as, as I always say, I'm not here to preach. I'm not here to tell you how to act. Um, but for sure, you know what I mean? If we could just help each other one day at a time, kind of motivate another person, make another person feel good, we all appreciate it. Um, Clock Dodgers, when I started this, the podcast, the website, um, you know the slogan, right? You know what I mean? You know, you know, you know, um, you know, to escape the nine to five mindset. Right. You hear that everywhere from me. So um, that's not saying, you know, oh, you have a nine to five. You got to get out of there. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying the mindset of it, The you know, the sometimes we get stuck in that and think that's all we can do. But, um, you know, listening to podcasts, going on websites like clockdodgers.com, um, chasing your dreams, you know, what I mean, being motivated to to do something extra. And, and, and like I said, just do good things for people. You know what I mean? Make people happy. Make yourself happy. Um, don't ever just get caught in this routine. You know what I mean? Like I said, that that nine to five mindset. 
sometimes we just get caught in that and we just flow right into the system and that's how we do every day so um you know don't get caught up in that you know we do this to get people out of that mindset um so we're gonna keep you know chugging along with that otherwise you guys know it man game of thrones podcast that's something we're doing now so if you're a game of thrones fan if you're all caught up that's the only way i mention you to you know to listen to the to the game of thrones podcast if you're not all caught up you're just gonna ruin the show for you so don't go there um other than that that's pretty much it right now guys we're watching the nba playoffs um you know if you're a fan of one of the teams in it right now enjoy the moment you know what i mean this might not you know these kind of moments don't come all the time for you guys so enjoy that moment baseball season is in full effect um you know my boy matt harvey is kind of you know having some issues right now i think they need to you know sit him down for a little bit let him chill but other than that guys let's just keep on moving if you guys have any recommended topics questions foul or no fouls guests that you'd like to hear on the show send them my way at clock uh, at gmail.com the twitter and the instagram are both at clock dodgers um or just you know you can leave a comment on the uh the website or whatever so um again guys i appreciate you for taking this journey with me clock dodgers isn't this podcast clock dodgers isn't the website clock dodgers is you guys you know what I'm saying? All of us are clock dodgers. We're, we're, we're what makes this. It's not a website. It's not a podcast. It's what we are. So let's keep doing this. I appreciate you guys taking this journey with me. Let's go. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to stop by clockdodgers.com and follow us on Twitter.
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.